Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. We're so filled with so much stuff. Do you feel this? I mean, Lord, messaging, narratives, problems, like, and it, it just seems like we have no margin or space for God to even fit. And sometimes these things aren't even bad things. Sometimes we take, we put good things in place of the best things. And really, you know, that's a big reason why we're starting to today 21 days of prayer and fasting, where we, and really the theme of these 21 days is make room. Where really what, what we wanna do over these 21 days is declutter maybe some, some stuff practically, emotionally, spiritually, physically, relationally, so, so we can make room for the best things, for God's voice and God's presence and God's spirit and God's word. And you know what, you know, one of the really difficult things about creating space is sometimes you feel like you're actually losing something, right? And whenever you got that stomachache because you're, you're, you're fasting one or, one or two meals per day, or does anyone else do this? It's like I find myself mindlessly picking my phone up and opening up a social media app and just scrolling, and, and then about 15 minutes later, I'm like, what have I done? How did I get, I'm looking up how to clean windows, you know? It's like, how did I even get there, right? And it's like, you go down the rabbit hole, and it's 30 minutes here, 45 minutes here, and so here's the thing, right? But what I, what I wanna challenge you with is, First off, if you have not signed up, we would love for you to sign up and join in this journey of 21 days of prayer and fasting with us to begin this brand new year. But also too, realize this, whenever you're fasting, you're actually doing this. You're feasting. You're fasting to feast. Fasting, you're giving up something, but also know when you give up a good thing, you get to feast on the best thing. And that's God. More of his presence, more of his word, more of his voice. And so just this song really encapsulates the heart of in this season. We want to make room for him to speak. So if you have not signed up yet, we want you to sign up. But also to, before we dive into God's word today, we want us to corporately pray together to get our hearts, minds, and spirits ready to, re to receive God's word today. We are continuing our series in the book of Philippians, our series best year ever. And today's message title was what really what really matters. So, so we're gonna have this prayer come up on the screen and we're gonna pray this prayer corporately before we dive into God's word and before we, we actually read our scripture text for today. Would you right now lift up hands? We're just gonna pray this together. I'm, I'm gonna start, would you join in with me? And just, and let's pray this prayer together. Spirit of God, open up my ears to hear, my eyes to see, my mind to understand and my heart to discern what you want to speak to me today. 
you have my full attention. Amen. Amen. You can stay standing. We're going to actually, like I said, read today's text together. We can kind of bring every, every, everything down besides Jarvis there on those keys as we read God's word together. Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 19 is our text today. So we started a series last week called Best Year Ever, and we're going through the first chapter of the book of Philippians. And last week we did eight verses. This week we're doing 10. And I want to give you some context, though, for this book really quick. Paul, who is the writer of this book, is writing this from prison. And he's writing this to a church he planted in the city of Philippi. And can you just imagine being a church planter? Like, I can't imagine planting this church. We started just over four years back. And then I'm somewhere in prison, and I get to write a letter back to y'all. Just, I just think about some of the things that I would write, some of the things that I would reemphasize, some of the things that I'd be like, don't forget this. Hey, think about this. And really, that is what this letter is. It's Paul writing to a church he planted, and he's literally sharing his heart for this church, and he's, but he's also sharing his heart for this church as well. So we're going to read our scripture text today together. And like I said, this is Paul. And he says this. He says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand, and let's say these three words together, what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives. As they preach about Christ, they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Let me pray one more time. Jesus, thank you for this time. We invite you into this time that we have. Speak to us, challenge us, and change us. And God, please help the Jacksonville Jaguars as they are a disgrace to the NFL. And I don't know why I'm still a fan, but give me grace to follow them. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. God's good. Yeah, let's, let's give God some love today. Top of our hands. Before you're seated, would you just please turn and greet somebody and just tell them hi, whatever your COVID, whatever your COVID level is. I appreciate that, Crystal. Whatever your COVID level is, you know, give someone a high five, wave, hug, whatever's comfortable for you. But we are excited to be in church today and continue our series, Best Year Ever. And like I said, one more time, if you have not uh, done the 21 days of prayer and fasting, signed up for that, I would encourage you to do so. Also, too, really quick, all of our LifeHouse youth, let's give it up for LifeHouse youth. 
Love our students here. It is your time to be dismissed. So you can go with Pastor Christian, who I believe is right over there. He's waving his hand. So if you are between 6th and 12th grade, we, we have an environment just for you. You can go there. They're going to Theater 20. They're going to have fun and learn about Jesus in their own way and place and content. It's going to be great. But today, like I said, we are continuing our series, Best Year Ever, going through the first book, or excuse me, through the book of Philippians chapter 1. And our verses today are pretty unique because they really fit what a lot of us typically do at the beginning of a brand new year, right? So I don't know about you, but at the beginning of the year, it's a time to reassess. Like you're, you're, reass- you're, you're, you're trying to reassess what's important. If, is what I'm doing matching what my priorities are? Am I spending my money, my time, my attention? Like is, is it being focused on what really matters? Because too, I, I, th- I think, does anyone else struggle with really knowing what really matters? I mean, there's so many messages of people telling you this is important. This should matter in your life. What should matter in your life is having a side gig and selling really insufficient meals to people. You know, it's like, so, so they try to kind of tell you, you should sell this and you should do that. This should matter. Get above with your finances. You should, you know, you should put this into your marriage. You should have a start doing list and a stop doing list. And it's just like we can get so overwhelmed with really discerning what the heck really matters. Especially now, like I said, a brand new year. Many of you are probably processing through what's important. What are you going to, like, what are you going to do? And, and, and then, too, I think it's true that even different life circumstances force you to really wonder what really matters. Like, how, how many of you have had a, I don't know, health scare? And it's crazy how a health scare a confrontation with your finiteness, a confrontation with your limits, a confrontation with the fact of you're not promised tomorrow, has a way of confronting you with asking the question, what really matters? Or possibly you've had someone close to you die. And because of their death, it's made you even think about your life. It's made you even think about the fact of I could die, right? Like it's It's moments like this that force us to really ask what really matters. And the context here, remember, is Paul is writing this letter from prison, and he doesn't know what's going to happen to him. He has no clue. So he is is here, he's probably 60 years old here, older man, in prison, serving Jesus, preaching the gospel, planting churches, writing to a church he absolutely loves and in this portion of scripture he's trying to get them to really narrow down and share with them what really matters and a lot of it is from the fact of the circumstance he is in of being in prison and probably being confronted with his own finiteness and he gives actually what i deem here and deduct here like like three three things to help us really focus on like what really matters The first thing here we find in verse number 11, and we're going to dive right in here. Is that okay? You guys ready? No one. Okay, we got two people on board. You guys ready? Let's dive in, all right? If I say something good, you can be like, preach a white boy. If I say something good, preach it, stuttering pastor. Like, it don't matter to me, right? Just, just, you know, it's always good to hear something, something back. Verse number 11, this is what it says. Paul says this, may you always be filled 
with the fruit, everyone say fruit, of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. And I love here how Paul says, let me tell you like what actually matters, and it is this word fruit of your salvation. And then he connects it to character. So, so what do we see here? Fruit isn't a do, fruit is a who. We say that one more time. Fruit is not a do, fruit is a who. What he's saying here is, 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 is that what fruit matters to God isn't what you do or what you get or what you accomplish. Fruit is a character. Character meaning fruit is more of who you are. Fruit in the kingdom of God is who you are becoming. What kind of person are you becoming? Fruit is this, the evidence of your salvation slash repentance. Essentially, fruit is the evidence that you've actually met Jesus. And what I think is killing the church, the church, what I think is killing the name of Jesus is not that we don't have decent preaching, decent Sunday services or is, is the fact that we have, we have so many people who claim the name of Jesus but don't have any fruit. And by fruit, what I'm saying is, is that there is a change. Like there is an actual change in how they live, how they speak, what their perspective is, how they view the world, how they treat people. It is a fruit problem. And what I want us to do as we begin a brand new year is you're saying, what really, what really matters? You need to do a fruit inspection on your life to really say, just as Paul said, is there fruit of your salvation? This does not mean perfection. This does not mean that you, you, know, that you have to do everything perfect. But what it's saying is, is, is there continual evidence that you are following Jesus? Is there evidence? Is there fruit? And one of the things, so here's the thing, right? I don't think it's that we don't have a desire to have fruit. I think we, we just got barriers to why we don't see it. And I, and I, and I just want to talk to you about three, three thoughts why we don't see fruit. The first one's this. For why we don't see fruit, we have the wrong definition of what fruit is. Like I said, fruit is a character. So fruit, even Jesus talked about whenever he was, he was, um, he was speaking to his disciples right before he was about to go and die on the cross. And this was the, you know, this was directly before Passion Week. He, he, you know, he was having really intimate moments with, with his disciples and telling them about things coming up and telling them, hey, as I'm about to go and do what I've been called to do, I need to remind you of some things. And actually, the Apostle John put a few of these conversations in a book he wrote, The Gospel of John. And this is what he said. This is what Jesus said. He was talking to his disciples here. He said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear what? Fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and this is Jesus talking, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
a few verses down, John, John, John says this. He, he, he shares what Jesus said. Jesus said that this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. And as you bear much fruit, what you'll actually do is you'll show yourself to be what? My what? Like you'll, you'll show the world who you follow by the fruit, but the fruit isn't what you do. The fruit is who you are. Even when you see in Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Are any of those relative to what you own or what you have? No. They are states of being. They are something that comes from the inside of you. It's love, it's joy, it's peace. Would anyone want a little more of that? Patience. I mean, would anyone uh, want a little more patience? Would anyone want a little more self-control? Having the ability to say no to the things you should say no to and yes to the things you know you need to say yes to? These are called fruits. Fruit is not a do, fruit is a who. And the thing is this, where we struggle in the church is we have people who have good intentions but have no fruit. And I think the big reason for that is, like I said, we, we redefine what fruit is because we think it's what we have, it's what we got. I'm blessed, pastor, because I got a nice house, a car, and a nice 401k. That is not fruit in the kingdom of God, friends. Fruit in the kingdom of God is who you are. Love, joy, peace. So here's the thing. As you're doing a fruit inspection, as you've seen, as you following Jesus, if following Jesus has made you more hateful, I don't know what Jesus you're following. If following Jesus has made you less joyful, if it's made you less peaceful, less patient, now here's the thing. We all have struggles. But here's the thing. That's why it's important to make sure because in our culture, what our culture will tell you, what the United States will tell you is the fruit is what you have and what's in your bank account. But just know fruit in the kingdom and fruit in the world are completely different. And if you're going to get one fruit here, many times that's, that's going to that's, that's require you to sometimes sacrifice fruit here so you can reorient your life to see fruit here. It's fruit, but, but the, the second reason why I think we struggle to see this fruit happen in, in, in our lives, that Paul is talking the fruit of our salvation, this character, the second reason why we don't see fruit is because, and this is going to get all, all up in your face, we see Jesus as a get out of hell free card. Instead of Lord and the example for our lives. Because here, here's the thing. I think many of us, we, we come to church and we follow Jesus because deep down we have this thing of we just don't want to go to hell for eternity. When we actually miss, Jesus just, does, just doesn't want to save you for, e, for just doesn't want to save you eternally. He is the example for your life while you are temporarily here on this earth. And I think because we just see him as a get out of hell free card, instead of being Lord and Savior of our life right now, that, that keeps us from seeing fruit because we, we almost want the benefit of what Jesus gives without the commitment that he requires. Because for Jesus to be Lord of your life means you're going to have to leave some certain things. See, what you even see in the, in the ministry of Jesus 
is Jesus was great at drawing crowds and then saying things to make them leave. Because honestly, when Jesus was healing and feeding people, thousands. I mean, you, you even see it. When, when Jesus fed the 5,000, it's a thousands mo came. They're like, free food? I'm in. I'm there. Jesus healing people? I'm there. Where's this Jesus guy? And then they show up, and they hear Jesus teaching, and then Jesus says something like, if you're going to follow me, you have to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Essentially, make the direction of your life turn away from where you're going. Repent, which simply means to rethink and turn and redirect your life in the direction and the trajectory of me. And that's where people, and that's where even when people were with Jesus back then, thousands followed him. But scripture even says, when Jesus said a hard teaching, Jesus was great at shrinking crowds. Like he did not, like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just really funny because like Jesus would probably shrink most churches. If Jesus came, came, if Jesus came up in here and preached, I don't know how many of us would stay. Because here's the, here's the thing. Yes, Jesus will save you. Jesus will save you. You put your faith in him. You put your faith in, in him. It's like by grace, through faith, he saves you. But then also, too, what he calls you then to is to then shift your life in the direction. He becomes the object and the goal. Becoming like him becomes the big E on your eye chart that you cannot miss. But I think the reason why we don't see the kind of fruit that Paul says, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the gentleness, the self-control, those sorts of things is because of how we ultimately see Jesus. We want him to be a savior but not Lord. We want him to be the savior, not the example. And I, and I know this is a hard word, but at the same time, I don't want you to be pursued. Like, I don't want you to have the wrong view of what Jesus calls you to. Because I even think sometimes pastors, and I've been guilty of, of this, we can preach Jesus will save you for, for eternity, but then almost make it vanilla and just like, well, Jesus is, is just cool with whatever kind of life you live besides that. When, when you know what the truth, that, that is not the gospel. Yes, Jesus will save you for, for eternity, but here's the thing. He just doesn't want to save you from hell. He wants to get as much hell out of your life here right now. And he wants to put as much heaven in you so you can bring heaven to this hell around us. But it is when we have fruit. So here's the, so thirdly, why don't we see fruit? Third, third thought, getting fruit looks a lot like work. Like I am not a gardener or a farmer, as you can tell. I'm a city boy. I tried to grow a little garden in our yard two years back. And I think, babe, we got like five cucumbers, three squash, and I don't even know how we did it, right? Like, we tried. We tried to be good city people. But I saw how hard it is to be intentional to see fruit happen. It wasn't going to be, fruit wasn't going to happen unintentionally. It was going to happen intentionally. I mean, you just, think of, uh, uh, you just think about farming. You have to plant the seed, cultivate the seed, water the seed, make sure the seed gets sunlight, 
protect it, and then harvest it. And I think because we don't see a, a lot of fruit is because I don't think we understand or want to commit to the kind of work and the kind of reprioritizing and reorientation it would take in, in our lives to see that sort of fruit happen. But also, too, I think because we, we also misinterpret what it means to follow Jesus. So one of the big phrases you'll hear at Lifehouse and that you'll hear repeated, like a skipping CD. Dude, we don't even use CDs no more. That's how old I am. Some of y'all don't even know what those are. Okay, any, any, anyway, this sermon is going down the drain fast, okay? Um, what we say is this, at Lifehouse, we aren't trying to be like Jesus. We are training to be like Jesus. That when people make decisions at Lifehouse to follow Jesus, what they are cognitively stepping into is a path of training, of saying, I want, like, I'm just not trying. Because how many of y'all know, like, how many of y'all have tried to be like Jesus and failed? All the time. It's like, man, I'm trying, man, I'm trying. I'm trying not to cuss people out. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying not to give people <laughs> driving. The one finger salute. Like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And we just have a church full of people trying, but, but when you try and you fail, it's this condemnation and shame and guilt. And unfortunately, what happens is, is that just reinforces the cycle of, I suck, I'm terrible, Jesus doesn't love me, and oh my God, you know, like I'm just never going to do it, so why even try? Maybe this Jesus thing's a load of garbage, and maybe it's just not even real. I'm, I'm done. But then you'll have this spur of like, well, it's a brand new year. I'm going, uh, I'm going back to church. Maybe that's why you're here. Welcome to Lifehouse. <laughs> but people have this mentality of like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. Let me take a weight off your shoulders. You will not try hard enough to be like Jesus. There is not enough you can do in your own willpower trying to be like Jesus. Just take that out of your mind. The shift you got to make isn't you're trying to be like Jesus if you make a commitment to Jesus, now what you say is, I'm training to be like Jesus. So when you're training, what does that do? It makes you get more intentional. It, 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 it helps you even see failure differently. Because when you fail, it's like you realize anything you train in, you're going to fail in. So now you don't see yourself as a failure because you failed. You see yourself as, it's part of training. Like when you're trying to rewire your mind about money or sex in our culture, yeah, you're going to fail a little bit. Why? Because it's, it's a whole different way. But when you enter into training, you stop condemning yourself and you realize, I am loved by God, not because of what I do, but I'm loved by God because of what he did. He changes your identity to where your identity is secure in him because that's what the good news of the gospel is. The gospel is God loves you, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done, and he gives you the benefits of the price he paid. That is the good news. So it secures your identity, so, so then you stop trying, and you say, you know what? My life until I die, as we learned last week, is a construction site for God to change me. You enter into a life of training, and when you enter into a life of training, you start to see, if I'm going to have love, so let's, let, let's just say, I want to be more loving. You know what you're probably going to have to do? Stop turning on hateful things. You're going to have to stop 
putting on television or things that will, that will make people seem, because here's the thing, distance creates distortion. So let me give you an example, and this might be a bad one. I'm making this up as I go, so this could be bad. But the way that I see it is, right, people that hate others in the name of Jesus in politics, it's crazy, right, how I, like, people will call other people who are Christians, and, okay, I'm going to say this, and, and libtard. You're, you're freaking Christian, and you're calling another person who's made in the image of God a what? Like that, that's, that stuff, it, fire, it fires me up. Why? Because you're, you're taking, like, but then too, what cultivates that kind of behavior is typically you watching too much of a certain news, a news channel. Because then you create a person who's distanced from you, and when people become distanced, their problems become a lot easier to solve. So then you can start generalizing them because you don't have relationship with them. So then you start putting them into a, in, into a certain kind of person, into this, like, box. And then you start, and then you are a Christian trying to train yourself to love people, even people who think differently than you, vote differently than you. That, that, when Jesus said love, that, that's not the thing that, oh, it's okay. You can just hate people that, that, that vote differently than you. No, it's, it's like, it means, like, love. Right, And so if you're going to be more, more loving to people that are different than you, it might mean you need to shut a certain channel off. It might mean you need to stop listening to certain podcasts. Because why? It's not cultivating a spirit of love inside of you. Your narrative is shrinking down to viewing people through a lens of politics instead of your narrative growing higher and viewing them through the lens of the eyes of God, who they're made in God's image. They're worthy of value and dignity, and they're madly loved by God. Do you see how, if you want to grow in joy, do you know what the worst thing you could do is focus on everything you don't have? Is to create FOMO inside of you, because the doorway to joy is contentment, is finding satisfaction in what you have and who you have instead of focusing on what you don't have. So do you know what you might need to do to cultivate some joy in, in your life? Is stop getting on social media and looking at everything you don't have and everybody you don't have. If you're single, I see all these married people, probably not gonna fo- it's not, probably not going to give you the ability to cultivate a season of singleness where you find completeness and joy in Jesus. You're always going to be hungry or thirsty. Do you see what I'm saying? Self-control. Self-control isn't some snowflake that falls out the sky on you. It's spiritual and practical. If you can't, do you see, y'all get me fired up here. But what I'm trying to help, help, help you see, training means it will be you and the Spirit of God working together. It's not snowflakes that drop out of the sky and you, you just have this, perfect char- char- have this perfect character. It's gold that you're going to have to dig out the ground. That's going to take some work. That's going to take some discipline. That's going to take intentionality. But I believe this is at the root of why we don't see enough fruit in Christians is because we, it's actually work. It's discipline. It's disciple. And when Jesus called us to follow him, what he was saying, and here's the thing, if you are not, in this, and this is what I say, if you are not intentionally following Jesus, 
then you are intentionally or unintentionally following somebody or something else. And that is why Jesus said, you can't serve me and money. He said, you can't serve me and fill in the blank. Because disciple is not just a Christian word. It's an everything word. The world is trying to disciple you in its ways. It's trying to make you a certain kind of person. So that is why Jesus was so in his commitment. Like, it's got to be me. If you're going to build your life, you're going to build it on sand or you're going to build it on rock. It's not 14 options. It's, it's not sand and clay and marble. He's like, you got sand and rock. One of the two. It's me or nothing. I mean, we can say, man, well, he's just prideful. No, it's because he knows he's the, no other person is going to do for you what he can do for you. No other God is going to bless you the way he can bless you. No other God is going give to you, give you a foundation in your life to withstand what happens in life or give you purpose. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's training. It's training. And the reason, because I don't want us to be a fruitless church, and I don't want you to be a fruitless Christian. I don't want us to be a church of people that come in on Sunday, get our word in, get our worship in, and go out there and be hateful. And go out there, and there's no fruit of this encounter with Jesus that you claim you've had. I love you. I hope, I hope y'all are okay. I got a little passionate there. But here's the thing. If, 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 if you want to grow more in this thought of training, what I would encourage you to do, life track is our process to become, uh, to become a partner with our church, to make our church home, but also to, there's some great, there's some great teaching in there. You can actually do that 100% online if you want to, and you can actually get it at lifehouselifetrack.com. You can go on there, sign up, and you can take those. You can take that. You can take that course. And I would just encourage you, if, if you call our church home, go through that. But it's got some great teaching in there about what it means to follow Jesus. All right, what really matters? Number one, fruit. Number two, what really matters? God will use anything. Because I know this year it's not if you have crap happen; it's when you have crap happen. Get, get, get ready. Put your, put your, put your crap suit on. Right, like. It's going to happen. But what I love what Paul says here, this is what he says here in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. He says this, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything, every, every, everyone say that, everything. That, that, that everything that's happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without what? Fear. So do you know what Paul is saying here? It is all good. He says here, do you know what? I am in prison. And he says, actually, me being in prison has done the complete opposite of what people thought. People thought me being in prison would hinder the gospel. But let me tell you what's actually happened. I'm, I am right here in prison, and guess who's standing beside me? A prison guard. Where can the prison guard go? Nowhere. The prison guard's got to stay right beside me. If, if I leave, he gets killed. So he ain't leaving me. So what has actually happened now that I have a prison guard that doesn't know, that doesn't know Jesus with me, what's happened? That prison guard, he's heard the gospel. And then it, then it actually says, everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of who? Christ. 
I love how Paul took his prison and gave it purpose. Because Paul could have taken the victim mentality route. Man, I'm in prison. My life sucks. And he might have done that. (laughs) But what you see is Paul gave his prison a purpose. And for some of you here, whether you are in a prison or you will be in one, whatever, and I know when I say prison, that's a broad term that can mean different things to different people based on whatever you deem your prison as. Like, I, I, I just know, you know, if like to, to me, I deem a prison as a circumstance in life you had no control over. So, uh, so honestly, you know, just to be candid with you, Sarah, Sarah in mind, it has always been stuttering. Like, I didn't ask for it, didn't want it. I've always had it. God called, God, God called me to preach, and I'm like, okay, a stuttering preacher, let's go for it, uh, you know, and, but, but, the, but, the, but, you know, but the thing is, stuttering isn't just a physical thing, it's a very, it's a very psychological, emotional challenge, and, and so, and for all of my life, I feel like I've gone, I've gone into the prison cell, I've gone out, I've had seasons where I'm in it, seasons where I'm out, but for me, that has always been something that I have seen as a way that would possibly hinder the gospel, but now many times I see it as a way that forwards the gospel. But it was a shift in perspective. He says, my prison spread the gospel, but then he said, too, it encouraged the other believers. So he said, it did two things. My my prison did two things. It forwarded the gospel of where I was at, but it also encouraged the other believers as well. And what I would say is your prison has the potential to do those exact two things. You have a prison, let's say, you know, and, and then too, I can't remember my mom when she was battling cancer. She would go in for chemo, and she had stints where she was just really, really sick, so, so, she, so, she'd, so she'd have to go into the hospital. My mom is in the hospital inviting the nurses to church. She's there, and she is like buying candles for the nurses, bringing them in, bringing them gift cards, just being the hands and feet and representation of Jesus. This is my prison. This is where I'm at. This, this is what it is. Well, do you know what? Wherever I go, the gospel has the opportunity to spread. But not just that, it's also the believers can also be encouraged as well. And as I say, even stuttering, like I, when I'm training church planters and they're like, man, I don't know if I can do it. I'm like, do you stutter? No, shut up. Get out there and plant that church. <laughs> you know, and then the whole thought of it is like, yo, if, you know what, if you can do it, I can do it, right? It's, it's just like, and that is what your prison has the potential to do. But that is why what is so important is we create an atmosphere of vulnerability within our church. The people aren't scared of sharing their prison. Because here's the thing what I've learned. Everybody has a deep insecurity, a deep stutter, per se. That people, you know, that people keep quiet on, and by that, what they do is they completely miss the opportunity to spread the gospel and the opportunity to encourage others who might be in that same exact spot. Two of the most powerful words are me too. Isn't it true whenever you find someone that's walking through the same thing you're walking through or is in the same prison you are, it, it has this power to encourage e- each other. 
to say, man, if you're walking through that too, I can walk through this as well. Or if you're saying, man, if you're taking this prison and you're using it to spread the gospel, maybe I can do that as well, right? And what I want you to do is as you're thinking about what your prison is, or maybe say, well, John, you know, you know what? I'm not in one. Most likely in your life, you'll be there. It'll be a sickness, a physical sickness. It'll be something at work. It'll be something with your finance. It'll be something with your, like, something will happen that will put you in a circumstance you did not ask for and you did not want. And the decision will have to, to, to be made what is going to happen here. And what I guarantee is you'll find is there will be people there to reach that God has sent you to, not sentenced you to. That there will then, as you walk through this, then you'll be able to share with other Christian brothers and, and other Christian sisters about what you walked through and how God got you through it, and you can take that and encourage someone else. Are you hearing this? What really matters is God wants to take everything, and he'll use all of it. He'll use all of it, but especially your prisons. So what I want to encourage you to, to do this year is to prepare yourself for when you get to that prison. And then I want you to say, as you're there, who has God called me to reach? And you might say, well, John, I don't preach. I'm not a preacher. I don't know the gospel, whatever. Do you know what can preach louder than anything is the way you just live? You know, people have said this, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Because you can talk all day, but if you're not living it, what's the point? When you say, when they see you living it, that's what it gives, gives it supernatural power. But also, too, say, okay, as you're walking in this prison, as you're going to this prison, how can, how can I encourage others as well? And here's the thing. That will take when we have a culture of vulnerability within, within, within our community here. And that's one thing that we're passionate about here. When we say doing life together as being one of our core values, we simply by that mean that there is a place where it's a safe place to share your prison. It's a safe place to walk and be healed and be, and be whole, but also a place of encouragement as we hear each other's narratives and each other's stories and how God has used it, and it can bring a spirit of encouragement to our church. Thirdly, though, when we talk about what really matters, and Jarvis, you can go ahead and come on up to keep me honest because I'll keep preaching. So the, the keyboard is kind of like sleeping music. It helps me to calm down, <laughs> and it's... And, and it's it's kind of like, okay, John, it's time to land this plane, <laughs> right? So that's why Jarvis comes up. And then two, everything sounds better and more, and, and more spiritual with him playing, right? It just sounds better. No, but what really matters, right? Fruit, what really matters? God will use anything. But also, too, what really matters is focus and motivation. So Paul, right, he's, Paul has this, this thing where, He's struggling because he's seeing people preach the gospel with impure motives. Like, he's struggling with it. He's like, I see these people that are just straight hucksters, like preaching the gospel to get a dollar, or preaching the gospel just to get fame, or preaching, or not even preaching the right gospel. It's like, and he's struggling with this, right? Starting in verse number 15. He says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, they, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others uh, do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my change more painful to me, but that doesn't matter. 
whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached. Either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as long as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So what, what Paul is, is essentially saying here is I need to be focused on what I'm doing instead of so focused on what other people are doing. And I need to make sure my motives are right. My motives are good. He's like, yeah, there's people preaching Christ that are jealousy right away. And for some of y'all, like that has even been a huge reason why you haven't wanted anything to do with Jesus. Because you see people preaching the gospel and you're just like, he's preaching for money. Just give a seed. 99.99, you can get your prophecy. We've all seen that kind of stuff, right? And it can produce in us this, like, if this is the people of Jesus, I don't want anything to do with them. But don't let them paint a picture of who Jesus really is and of what the gospel really is. Because even Paul says during his time, there will be people who will preach with impure motives. It is what it is. And we need to get used to it. And we don't need to be shocked by it. It will be a part of the plan. So don't let the way some people preach as, 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 as it, or don't let the way that other people preach influence you to, the, to seeing who Jesus really is. But also too, Paul says like, I could be so focused on them, but he says, I've got a purpose in my own life. I can't be so focused on what people are doing wrong that I don't take time to focus on what I'm doing and make sure I do it right. So many people can get so focused even at their jobs on the people who aren't doing it right, who are doing it underhanded, who aren't doing it the right way, by the, you know, by the book way. And you've got so much sideways energy going towards them that it's robbing you of the energy and strength you need to do your job well. But this is in so many different places, areas. It's just like you can be so focused on what you don't have, you don't put time putting into what you actually do have. Y'all have probably heard this, sideways energy. It's time in 2022 to get rid of it. What really matters? Focus and motivation. That's what Paul is saying. And you know what? He's, a, he, he's also saying like, focus on what you can control. There's millions of things in life you will never be able to control. And anxiety and so many other things will rise as you put more focus on what you can't control. That's, that, that is exactly why Jesus said, don't focus on your past. The past has been dealt with. You, you know, you've done stupid stuff. Jesus has paid a price for it. Don't get too fixed on what's going to happen because you don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow. So that's why he said stay focused on today because it's the gift you have. And if some of you have so much energy going to the past and going to the future, you miss the energy you could be putting into right here, right now. Focus and motivation. What? really matters this year. Fruit, fruit, character. What really matters? God's gonna use everything this year. The prisons you're gonna be in this year, they're opportunities, prisons are opportunities. What really matters? What you can control. Would you stand up with me, church? We're gonna receive communion together. Was that helpful, family? Was that helpful to you? I really pray it was. I'm, I'm really loving this expository style of walking through verse by verse. Because I believe the, 
the closer we, we get to God's word, that is where the treasure trove is. But here's the thing, before we dive into communion today and celebrate the Lord's Supper, you know, scripture tells us to do this, that, that we take some time of examining ourselves before we do this. Why? Because this recalibrates us, it recenters us, it gets us fixed on what really matters, it's what Jesus did for us. And so right now, could we just, just right now pray and prepare ourselves as we do this? Lord, we thank you for today, we thank you for the words you spoke, we thank you for the way you've challenged us to have fruit, how you'll use everything, and God, to get our focus on what we can control. And I just pray right now that as we prepare ourselves to receive communion, God, that there would be a supernatural sense of your presence, that you are with us here, that we are being filled up with your body and your blood and your life within us. With every head bowed, with, with every head bowed and each eye closed, I just wanna invite maybe those today that would maybe be candidly honest and say, I'm, I'm not following Jesus. Like, you talked about fruit and, you know, you, you would say, honestly, John, like, I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with with the Lord, or maybe you had one as a child, a kid, or something like that, and maybe you've, you know, you just know you're, you're not following him, you're not, you are not, you're not walking with him. And what I just want to simply ask you to do before we receive, before we receive communion together, is maybe you need to make a decision today, and make a cognitive decision to intentionally go and follow Jesus. So right now, with every head bowed, every every eye closed, the way we do it at Lifehouse, when we give you the opportunity, we just ask you to say yes. And we believe that when you say yes, what you're doing is you're opening up to the doors of your heart and you're just saying, Jesus, you're welcome in to not just get in the passenger seat, but to get in the driver's seat. So right now, with every about, every eye closed, we say, John, that's me. And you just want to start a relationship with God. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to, to give us your social security numbers. Just, just, I just want to take your hand and put it in Jesus' hand. So right now, with every head bowed, if just, just when I count to three, if you would just say yes, you can say it loud, quietly, whatever fits your personality. We have people do it in multiple ways, but just know that when you say yes, I believe God's going to supernaturally meet you right where you are. So right now, when I count to three, just say yes. Ready? One, two, three. If you said that today, if you said yes today, I just want to lead you in a prayer. And like I said, I just want to take your hand and put it in Jesus' hand. But I'm just going to ask all of us to join in with this prayer. Just say this prayer right after me, joining in with those who said yesterday. Say this, Jesus, I open up my heart to you. I make room for you. Come and fill me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sin. But, but rising to defeat Satan's sin and death and giving me new life. Now in response, I give my life to you, all of it. I don't compartmentalize. I give you all of me, but I receive all of you. Jesus, thank you, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us next Sunday online or in person. For service times, visit lifehousenn.com.